When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Mason Avenue's Modern Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Lavin, and Thomas Henderson. How is everyone doing this week? Pretty good. 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 So, Lucas, you were uh, you vanished to the Shadow Realm? We're having yeah, yeah. I, I guess I should have saved my spiel about my travels uh, for another 30 seconds, but I couldn't keep my mouth shut, so... Um, <laughs> Yes, listeners, I've been all over the place for the last three weeks. I'm sure you've missed my general pessimism and uh, snide attitude, but it's back, so you're welcome. It's better yeah. than ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's replenished, it's recharged. Mm-hmm. It'll be even more snidey as I start working and have longer hours again and have to be a real adult. That'll improve my mood, I'm sure. 100%. You know what I think will really improve your mood? Oh boy, here we go. Spring training success. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot to do this week. So we're just going to skip over promote extend trade. We'll save it for some other time next week. And we're just going to jump into things. And we're just going to go over um, Mets prospects in spring training. Um, so we'll start off number one. Obviously, Francisco Alvarez hasn't really played too much. Um, total of eight games now. He is two for 16 with no home runs, one walk, and seven strikeouts sporadic playing time so not much to gleam but you know now that uh world baseball classic is starting hopefully gets a little bit more playing time 
everyone panic that he's not destroying the ball in spring training? Yeah, I mean, washed. Some other prospects are doing it for him, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. How many uh, at bats does he have? He has 16 in total. Yeah, that's what I thought. Because I, I know a lot of his at-bats were like pinch hits in the eighth inning or whatever. Yeah, he's really not getting playing time at all, which is a little weird to me on one hand because, I mean, he could theoretically be a contributor for early 2023 on the Mets team. But I guess well, it's more important to get do we wanna Do we want to have hot take time? Because I don't think he's going to play a lot this year. You don't. No, because I think they blocked him with yep. signing Narvaez for two years and extending Nito for two years. Oh, like, well, I'm just. There, there's no way unless someone gets hurt. There's no real way to fit him into the lineup. It just the fits too awkward with how the bench is set up. I agree. So, I think this is by design, and I think that they want to slow play him ex- ex- extensively, which I don't know if I disagree with, but it seems to be their choice. Yeah, I mean, there's no rush. The Mets, it's not like, you know, James McCann is the Mets starting catcher again. <laughs> so. No. I mean, I, I'm, I think I'm slightly more critical of this plan than, than Thomas, but overall, like, yeah, it's fine. Um, it looks like sucks. Like, he's ready to hit here. <laughs> I, I yeah. See, I don't know that he is. Like, we're, like. Yeah. Um. One thing I've noticed from his limited spring training time is um, he's got some work to do on, like, right-right stuff. Yep. Um, now, can he learn that in the minors? Not really. Um, but it's conceivable that he might he might need a little more time to marinate. Look, like, I, I think, think there's there's – there's a reason he was swinging over 50 foot breaking balls every once in a while, even in AAA. Like, yeah, that's that's a problem for him. He's still a top 10, top five, whatever prospect in baseball, but I think he's clearly less ready than uh, someone who I'm sure we're about to talk about in in, in Brett Beatty, which is and go ahead, he's 20, he's 21, yeah. 20. Like it, it's fine. It's yeah. it's not this is not a, a people are going to freak out about this more than they should. And it's absolutely not a big deal. The Mets added, they got good value. Like I didn't love the Narvaez signing given the roster construction, but it was good value. Nito's extension is really good value. Like they have a good setup there. It's fine. This is okay. And like to factor in the position he's playing, like baby's going to be, if, if he breaks camp with the team, which I could see possible possibility, or if he doesn't, he's going to come up soon. Like he'll just be at third base, and it's the same third base that he's playing in the minors. But, mm-hmm. but Francisco Alvarez will be breaking camp to pitch to to receive Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander and two guys two, who are infamously easy to work with and yeah. understanding of, of <laughs> that. That's where I'm going. Like it's going to be crunch time, and it's going to be the seventh inning, and Max is going to throw a, a slider on a three-two count, and Alvarez isn't going to frame it right, and then it's a problem. You know, like how Bassett was last year with Mazika. Obviously, Mazika is a different story, but pitchers are are, 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 weird, are are weird little guys, and the Mets have a bunch of veteran ones. And even Senga's 30. It's not like he's a rookie, but he's not a kid. 
and Quintana, when he comes back, is a veteran. He's 32, and David Peterson's been around, and Tyler McGill is whatever. Like that, those are probably going to be easier to work with. But it's a veteran staff. Even the bull, even the relievers. It's Adovino and Diaz and Robertson. Like it's not easy for a catcher. <laughs> this is a this is a specifically hard staff for a catcher to a rookie catcher to catch, because you're learning how to catch at the major league level, and you're dealing with all stars and future Hall of Famers and it's it's not dealing with the, the the guy who you roomed with in double a you know because it that's a different dynamic very true well you mentioned Kodasenga, and well he has not pitched since his debut about a week ago and he has now been diagnosed with finger discomfort at the base of his index finger but um I don't think it's really anything we need to be worried about. I mean, his his main go-to pitch is literally a pitch where you wedge the ball as far back in between your fingers as you can. Mm-hmm. So and the ball's bigger. Yeah, the MLB Rawlings ball is a little bit bigger than the NPB um, uh, Mizuno ball. So I don't think it's really anything to be worried about here with him. Everyone panic. <laughs> oh shit. Panic. He has injury clauses in his contract. This is what the it's fine. It's it's a spring. He's a little he, sore in spring training. It's he even okay. said he if if it was the regular season he would pitch, but there's no reason to do it now. Mm-hmm. So, um, number three, Brett Beatty. He's appeared in 12 games and he is 11 for 24 with one home run, two stolen bases, four walks, and six strikeouts. So, all is well with Mr. Beatty. Yeah, he's from what I've seen, it looks good. Have we has he been have we been satisfied with the amount he's lifting the ball? I haven't seen as many ground balls. I'm not seeing as now if you hit a line drive every time, that's also probably fine. I'm not seeing a ton of fly ball contact from him still. That'd be my one quibble. But I mean, I'm quibbling. He's just been hitting. Yeah. 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 I I think that's. At the end of the day, I'd rather this, even if it's not 100% fly balls, and if he's not going to be lifting everything, he's hitting the ball hard, and it's not on the ground. Like, if they're doubles instead of home runs, that's still good. It's not as good as it could be, but it's still good, you know? Yeah, and to be clear, given this spring, I'd be releasing Darren Ruff, putting Edwater Escobar on that right-handed mm-hmm. hitting bench roll, and starting Brett Beatty. Me too. That's what I think they should do, and so I hope they do. They could galaxy brain it into a different prospect who we will talk about soon, but they better, if they do that, I'm going to lose my shit. (laughs) I'm going to fucking lose it, man. Well, we know that it's not going to be number four prospect, Kevin Parada. Um, Similar to Alvarez. He's not really played too much. He's gotten into eight games in total and he's one for six with no home runs, one walk and two strikeouts. Uh, Alex Ramirez, he has gotten into uh, a little bit of playing time now. He has appeared in 12 games, and he is 4 for 17 with no home runs, one caught stealing, one walk, and seven strikeouts. Number eight prospect, Mark Vientos, he's appeared in 12 games, and he is 11 for 33 with two home runs, one walk, and 11 strikeouts. I'm worried he's going to make the team instead of Beatty. And they're going to just DFA rough and have Escobar be the third baseman and have the DH platoon be Vientos and Vogelback. That was That's, not who I thought you were actually going to suggest here. And it would annoy me, but less than the other option. 
Yeah. Interesting. Because What's the other is, option? Uh, I'm assuming the other option is number nine prospect, Ronnie Mauricio. Correct. Oh, no, I don't think Ronnie. <laughs> I think he's too young. And he's only played like a week in AAA. Yeah, I think that one. They're, they're Guys, he's hit a million play. homers this spring. It, yeah. And he, the left-handed swing looks great. It's just the other stuff is still there. <laughs> swings, but his swings always look great. When he's seeing straight stuff he can hit, it always looks good. It's when he doesn't get straight stuff he can hit yeah. that it doesn't look so good. Yeah. Here's where I'm at with Ronnie Mauricio. Um, do I expect him to be like a good, you know, first division regular? No, but he's still very young. Who knows? He's probably going to be like a. Is where I'm I, ha, ha, the the way I predict him is like a a starter on a bad team and a bench player on a yeah on a, like a leveraged bench player on a good team right. for a few weeks or months or something like he goes to L.A. and they only bat him against righties with with a specific pitch mix and he's fine and then he gets DFA you know yeah yeah but you guys are thinking the old Ronnie Mauricio this is the new and improved Ronnie Mauricio who has two walks. And four strikeouts in 13 games. I'm not going to lie to you. Two walks in 13 games is probably like a career high. <laughs> yeah. Look, I've not. I don't I've know. Not, I don't expect it to happen, but I don't know. He's young. We'll I, I don't think they will. I was mostly memeing, but. I, I, I'm. Can you tell I'm tired of the Ronnie Mauricio disc? I've been back on the podcast for about, I don't know, seven <laughs> minutes. <laughs> and I'm already here, so like, well, Lucas, I'm pretty sure uh, if they can find a trade partner, if he gets enough helium based on his spring, uh, he if they be. can trade him, they will. <laughs> I think so too. So just just the vibes I get from it. it mm. seems that way. He's, realistically, he would be best served as a bench player on this on the the type of team that the Mets are intent on on building. And uh, he's a real weird fit for them as a bench player. So, given his skill set. Like, he, he goes to Oakland when Oakland is trying to trade their starters who get too expensive. And then he, he is a bad third baseman for them for, like, two You know, like, that's the type of vibe I get from him. Because Oakland's weird and cheap. And and they took – and they gave us Chris Bassett for free. So, <laughs> Oakland even trade? have anyone we want to trade for left is the question. Like Aldichuk or something? I doubt that. He's going to be cheap for a while still. Yeah, but that's the idea, you know? Like, or if they just want to restock the farm system again, if they really like him, I don't know. They're weird. I never know what the hell they're going to do. I don't think they know what they're going to do either, honestly. They just want to be as cheap as possible to move to Las Vegas is what they yeah. want to do. All right. Uh, number 13, Stanley Consuegra, and he has not played since last week, since so uh, no change there. Same thing with number 17, prospect Jose Budo. He hasn't pitched since last week. Um, number 19, prospect Bryce Pontes de Oca. He has pitched, Aww. and it was Aww. not a uh, not a good appearance. Um, so now in total, he's he's appeared. also hurt. So oh, okay. Well, that's he, not good either. He, he left the game, and uh, he's getting forearm stuff so Bryce Montes de Oka hurt that's yeah. crazy his arm hurt he was throwing 97 today instead of 100 or whatever he throws 101 mm-hmm. and then he's getting imaging on his forearm that's the word I was looking for Show Walter said it after the game so that's never a good combination of 
things. No bueno. No. Yeah. Um, and so he far, looked great. Like he looked like he figured out the command a little bit to yeah, get I mean, his, major league level. First and two games were fine. I just hope it's not long term because I truly think he has major league stuff. And if the command gets there a little bit, then he'll be able to be a legitimate major league reliever. Yeah. Well, so far uh, he's on the Levi David plan. He's given up three earned runs in 2.1 innings with no hits, five walks, and four <laughs> strikeouts. So. I mean, what's the timetable on him? Do we do we realistically think here? What do you mean? Like how hurt is he? Yeah. Well, like, no, if he was healthy, how long has it taken him to get here? Oh, he could start. He could break camp in theory. I think I I would have tried to figure out a way to break camp with him. Yeah, he'd be probably the last guy in my bullpen. And then use the bullets in the majors. And then when he if when and if he gets hurt. So how would you if he's the last guy in their bullpen, who are you taking? Because you got three guys, but you've got three spots. Who are you taking? Him, Curtis, and I don't know, someone. <laughs> question mark. Because <laughs> I think Curtis looks really good. That's how you pronounce the name, right? It's not Curtis? Is it, is it Curtis? I thought it was Curtis, but I don't know. It's either one of the. It's you, everyone knows what I'm talking about. So yes. it's one of those two because it's T I S S, so it always confuse me. Mm-hmm. But he looks really good. He looks like healthy, so he should make he this. The, he should make the bullpen. Uh, maybe you give it to Green, but he's looked kind of bad. But he's also kind of gotten unfairly maligned with some hits he's given up like it's kind of crappy but you can't are you gonna stash him i don't know that's complicated you could do lucchese for a for a trevor williams type is uh is he on do we need to open a 40 man spot here trying to i'm trying to remember i don't think he's on the 40 yet who um no i guess they're all on the 40 yeah montez ioka debuted last year so he should be on the 40 yeah yeah yeah, you're right. What am I saying? I'm, I'm for some reason he's like conflated in my head with uh, uh, Otanias, even though they're very distinct players, but they're the mm. same person in my head. It feels like the same time frames. Yeah, they're always in the same teams or bullpens. It feels like. But yeah, I would have tried to break camp with him just because of this. Like you know, I don't want to be a doomer about it, but he always gets hurt. So if it mm. looks like he could pitch in the major leagues now, you might as well just do it now. And then. If he gets hurt, then he gets hurt. Because if he gets hurt, he's on the major league roster anyway. Like he's going to accrue the service time anyway. And you're not, you're not, you don't care about service time for a reliever. If you do, you're like a, you're a true sicko if you're trying to scroll back, <laughs> scroll back a year of service time for a middle for reliever. You know, an injury prone, <laughs> questionable command. How he's like 27, isn't he? Yeah, almost. Got to like get that. back that age 35 season. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no reason that for that. So just break. Hopefully, if he would be, if he was healthy at the time, just break camp with him and hope. But number twenty-three prospect Eric Orzi, he had a good week, and now in total he's appeared in three games, thrown three innings, allowed three hits, but did not allow any runs. Uh, gave up three walks and struck out five. Did he get options? A bunch of guys did. He might have. I. I I know I saw the uh, news. Okay, I got it. Yeah. It's Budo, Connor Gray, Grant Hartwig, Eric Orsi, Josh Walker, Kevin Prada, and Alex Ramirez got options. Yeah. So. I mean, not, Orsi conceivably had a dark horse chance of making the team, but unlikely. And all those other guys, nah. I might I might like Hartwig more now. 
Yeah, I, 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 in my mind, Hartwig has definitely uh, leapfrogged Dorsey. Honestly, if Hartwig was on the 40, I might have him break camp with the team, but there's no reason to open up the spot. I am... I like both Nagosik and Green enough, and I think the rest of the bullpen is good enough yeah. that I want to carry them initially. I don't like mind you, that. You pull the plug by the end of April if it looks bad. Yeah, but I don't mind that. At least based on their strength performance, I'm with you that both Montestoka and, and Hartwig have looked awesome. Like they, they look like major league relievers. And mm-hmm. the, to your credit, like you said, the Mets now have the ability to actually carry guys and hope. Which yeah, saying that three years ago, I would have laughed at you if the Mets bullpen could do that because I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, please claim literally anyone who could throw over 95. Like, <laughs> they, add, <laughs> and now, they added, and I wrote this. I don't know if this piece has been published yet, but I wrote like the final grading article for the off season. Spoiler alert: it was an A plus. Like, what else am I going to mm-hmm, give them for mm-hmm. this off season exactly? But like, spent a decent amount of time talking about the fact that they added a ton of interesting arms on the back end this year for the first time ever. Like. Instead of just claiming, instead of trading Neraldo Catalina for Wilmer Font because, oh shit, we're, we don't have a reliever in May, they gave up next to nothing and added like seven arms that they're not going to be Edwin Diaz, but they're organizational guys that you can option up and down with a lot to like about them. And I mean, it's nice. It was a nice change of pace, certainly. They, there's going to be times where they need to call guys up for a stretch of games that get hairy with starters or whatever you need to do. And I'm not going to be like, oh, shit, this guy's up. It's going to be like, oh, cool. He's here. Like, that's fun. You know, let's, let's see it for a couple of innings. Oh, let's it's bad. Jeff Brigham. Next guy. Like, <laughs> like, we didn't even we he kind of got buried and we were excited about him months ago. Jeff Brigham, you know, Yep. like that's that's the type of stuff you need to do as an organization if you want to be good. Last but not least now is number 25 prospect, William Lugo. And he's appeared in four games and is two for three with a home run, a walk, and a strikeout. Cool. Happy he got into games or a little bit of time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumbaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so it is the middle of March, and NCAA D1 and D2 baseball began about like a little bit less than a month ago. So that means that it is time for, believe it or not, the fourth annual way too early draft special. Hell yeah. It's a fun time of the year. So uh, the Mets ended 2022 with a 
record of 101 and 61. So they should have been making the 22nd overall pick. But because the 2022 payroll exceeded the luxury tax threshold by more than 42 million, uh, excuse me, 40 million dollars, their selection drops by 10 picks. So their first selection instead of 22 is now going to be 32. Which Can I make a quick comment on that, Steve? Yeah, sure. So I've seen some people complain about this, like, oh, this is why you shouldn't spend, blah, blah, blah. Um, the most recent team this has happened to is the Dodgers. They went down 10 spots. They took Dalton Rushing, who is the, I don't know, sixth or seventh best prospect in last year's draft, and they took him 41 overall. It's not a big deal. No, nope. The order only matters so much. Yes. Yeah. Especially in baseball, we've talked about this forever. Like in football, I'd be like, oh shit, dropping 10 spots is a big deal, but no, this is a different game. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like if you're dropping, it, it, there's this point in the MLB draft when it makes a big difference, but it's when you're dropping from 1 to 11. Yes, like, yeah, literally. And then if you're dropping from 1 to 11 and exceeding the payroll, then Godspeed. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> something also, is going horribly wrong. Yes, yeah, something. That's like Wilpon era uh, incompetence, where the Mets would spend a million. Then I might be a little annoyed about the Mets spending a million dollars because they'd almost certainly be million. That's nothing. A billion dollars because yeah. they'd be spending it in an idiotic way. But like, oh no, we went from a pick in the twenties to a pick in the thirties. The value is so minuscule in that drop. Like I. It, I'll calm down. It's better yeah. for Steve Cohen to be spending this money. Anyway, that was my aside because I've seen some people bemoaning this. Oh, that is a silly thing to bemoan. Uh, but yeah, after 32, um, they're going to then be making the 56th overall pick in the second round. Then in the third round, they're going to be making two picks. They're going to get number 91 and then number 101 as compensation for their failure last year to sign Brandon Sproat. In the fourth round, they're going to be making the 123rd overall pick. And then after that, they're going to be making two more picks in the qualifying free agent compensation pick round. So they're going to be making number 134 overall for losing Jacob deGrom. And then they're going to be making 135 overall for losing Chris Bassett to the Rangers and the uh, Blue Jays, respectively. That's pretty nice work for how much they spent in the offseason. Like you laying it out like that. They kind of have a lot of picks again. Yeah, it's I mean, you know, they're in the the bulk of them are in the later half than the top half. But that's OK. I mean, they still need the. Yeah. Like that. So did, yeah. they, did they sign a single player that cost them a pick? Because did Verlander cost them a pick? Nope. No, because nope. he had already been QO'd previously. Yeah. yeah so Verlander. they literally. Yeah, not a single I mean, the QO, the QO picks are not like the picks you get back are not as valuable as they used to be, obviously. But like, it's a nice bit of work where you get two extra picks and backfill it with mm-hmm. a bunch of guys who are as good and arguably better. And we don't need to rehash that, but um, and then also get the picks, like really nice. It shows a understanding of the process and what's what's the right word? You just a plan. It shows that there's a plan. Mm-hmm. Not just willy-nilly, let's do this. Oh, let's just do this. Oh, let's pick this guy too. It's another no. another good justification for why the Mets should be one of the biggest ways they can leverage their financial power is in the international market. Like, because they do not care. Like, your your posting fees are not capped. And obviously, Senga didn't have a posting fee, but right, like your posting fees are not capped, and these guys don't have picks attached. Yeah. yeah. 
For sure. That's going to come up in the next few years. <laughs> yep. Hopefully. I think I think the Mets. If I don't see Epler going anywhere, and he very much cares about um, the Asian markets. So uh, they're going to be in big on that Korean outfielder, 100. percent I think so too, especially with how shitty free agency is going to be. The free the free agent outfield market is really poor. Kano's going to be a free agent, and they should bring him back in like a th- third and a half outfielder role. Mm-hmm. I agree. But Marte is going to be another Marte. year out, uh, closer to free agency. And Nimmo's going to be getting aging, and who knows how long he can stick in center field. Like, it makes way too much sense for mm-hmm. the Mets to be in on that. For sure. <clears throat> All right. Um, so, uh, Baseball America, they did a pretty cool poll, I think, at the uh, beginning of March. And they wrote an article about it. They basically polled 15 teams, their scouting departments, to grade the quality of the 2023 draft. Uh, the teams, you know, they weren't mentioned, which I guess is understandable, but 15, I think it's a pretty big enough cross-section, you know, there's 30 teams. So they literally pulled 50% of the uh, scouting departments out there. So everything, you know, should be balanced and the poll really shouldn't be skewed one way or the other. Uh, so in general, the scouts graded the overall talent of the 2023 draft class as average um, you know, in scouting terms of 55 with a plurality of 60, meaning that most of the talent overall is, you know, average to above average as compared to last uh, past years. Uh, the scouts graded the, graded the draft class in terms of impact talent available um, on average 50 with a plurality of 50, meaning that, you know, there is basically same amount of impact players in this year's draft as there have been in years before. They graded the draft class in terms of overall depth uh, as an average of 60 with a plurality of 60, meaning that they see this year's draft class as being overall deeper than past years. And that makes sense because, you know, three years ago was 2020 and the draft that year was five rounds. So there's a ton of high school kids that didn't get drafted and they ended up going to school. And now they're all draft elbow juniors. I'm surprised it's not even higher than this. Uh, given that, like I've heard some people say this is going to be one of the best draft class, draft class, this, 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 <laughs> draft classes ever because of the um, COVID implications. But this seems more like, yeah, it's good, but not incredible. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, above average, I, I guess everyone has to play their cards a little close. You know, no one's going to be going crazy even if it's an anonymous poll. But, mm-hmm. yeah. um, now they go into a little bit more detail here. The scouts graded the draft class in terms of college pitching, a 50 with a plurality of 50, meaning that the college arms this year generally no better, no worse than the ones available in years past. They graded this class in terms of college hitting, as a 55 with a plurality of 60, meaning that the college bats this year are generally a little bit better than those available in past years. They graded this class in terms of high school pitching a 50 with a plurality of 50, meaning that prep pitchers this year, again, no better, no worse than past years. And in terms of high school hitting, again, a 55 with a plurality of 60, meaning that the prep bats this year are generally a little bit better than ones available in years past. 
So the scouts see this year's draft as a pretty solid one with a lot of depth, particularly uh, when it comes to prep hitters and college hitters. I can see that. Yep. All right. So, um, you know, the the formula for our way too early draft special is we all pick a guy that we're going to follow until the uh, college and or high school season is over and give, you know, regular updates about those guys that we think will will be available to the Mets when they make their pick, either because we think the guy might drop a little bit or we think that the guy might um, get a little bit of helium. There's been a handful of, you know, um, mob drafts and uh, rankings and things like that from a variety of sources. So that's basically, that's where we kind of based our... um, predictions on so who would like to go first and talk about their guy i can go first i don't mind i've got mine right open right here all right so lucas who would you like to see the mets pick at 32 so i'm gonna go a little bit down the early rankings uh my guy is colton ledbetter uh, so some background on colton ledbetter right now he's a junior outfielder from mississippi state um He's from Alabama originally. He uh, was an all-state player as a junior and a senior. Um, he spent the, spent the first two years of his collegiate career at Samford, which is in Alabama. As a freshman, he hit 271, 339, 441. Uh, no homers in 65 at-bats, so wasn't really getting a ton of playing time. Not a lot of impact, but uh, making contact, getting on base. And then he blew up as a sophomore. 318, 407, 640. Uh, that's a what is that? 1,047 OPS, 16 homers, 14 stolen bases in 248 plate appearances while playing center field. Um, I think that's pretty good. He then went to the uh, NECL, which is like the Cape Cod League, but not as good. But Wood Bats, right, um, posted an OPS over 1,100 there and led the league in homers with 11 over 200 plate appearances. Um, again, pretty good. Um this year, he transferred, obviously, to Mississippi State. Um, he's a junior. Uh, he's six foot two, 205 pounds, left-hand hitter. He's playing center field still. Consistent hard contact at ideal launch angles. I think he could pull the ball more, but there's there's a lot to like here. It's a, I think the scouting community has also tried to get away from pure visual hit tool evaluations, but goddamn, he's got a nice left-handed swing. It's, it's really nice, simple, no moving parts. I think he could stand to have his hands a little bit lower at the start, but it's it's a, a real thing of beauty, and it works for him. Um, in terms of the initial rankings, Baseball America had him 130. Um, they were a little concerned about his ability to handle velocity, and this was coming into the season. So far this season, he's hitting 359, 486, 623. That's an OPS over at 1,100 with three homers and 70 plate appearances. So handling that velocity just fine. Um and I believe they did a staff mock draft and someone took him in the first round recently. So he's already jumping up boards. Um, that said, I think there's a good chance he could wind up being there for the Mets. And uh, he kind of fit that ideal draft player. I like polished college hitter. I think he should move quickly. Um, the Mets still really lack outfielders in the system. So it's an obvious fit. 
um, just a lot to like here. And I, I think uh, the, the stat cast data or, or whatever you whatever you want to call it at this point would uh, support that he uh, has a very analytics friendly uh, a batted ball profile. So, um, yeah, this is I hope he doesn't rise so much that the Mets can't take him. I would not be disappointed if he was selected. Uh, I forgot to mention he already has eight stolen bases without being caught once this year so far, and he's walking more than he's striking out. So, you know, he's not hitting a million home runs like uh, Dylan Cruz or Caglione, who uh, both of them are literal gods, but there's a lot to like here. Yeah, I mean, I'm at this point, I mean... How many games has he appeared in total? Like fifteen. This maybe? this year he has seventy plate appearances. I did not write down the number of games mm. he's appeared in. So I don't know, twenty-ish. Maybe. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I would be, I would be worried that yeah he might be getting so much helium that the Mets now might not be able to draft him. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um. So it, it it's uh, we'll see we'll see. I mean, there haven't been a lot of team like. Places put out their preseason rankings and then don't really update them for a while um, until like the midpoint of the season. So like Baseball America had him 130, Prospects Live had him 104. He wasn't in the top 100 by MLB. So um, who knows where he actually winds up, but he, he's already going to be a big riser, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. Who would like to go next? I could go next because I already I was setting all mine up just now. All right, but um, I'm going with a um a prep shortstop out of Chandler, Arizona, named uh, Rock Chalowski, uh, which is a great name. But so he is prob he has been listed as the number one high school player in Arizona, which isn't like a hotbed, but obviously he's still he's still good enough to be recruit heavily recruited in around. He was 34 on prospects lives on their big board, so right in that area um he's a tall kid already 6'2 he's athletic he's a good shortstop and you can see i've seen video of his swing and it's very it's very above it's above average bat, bat speed and you can see it it's the barrel flies through the zone it's really nice stuff from the right side he's already but um he's pretty interesting because he was also heavily recruited for football notre dame actually offered him a dual football and baseball scholarship to play both to be a quarter he's a three-star quarterback and a three-star strong safety, as well as being a top baseball recruit. Obviously, three stars is why he's choosing baseball over. If he was a five-star football recruit, I'm sure he would be exploring that. But three-star football recruit is certainly nothing to sneeze at. That's a legitimate football player. Um, And Notre Dame offered both, but he chose to commit to UCLA. He committed to UCLA a really long time ago, like, like verbally a while ago, and just decided to stay with his commitment. Um, but obviously I don't think that's going to, I don't think UCLA is strong enough to really box someone out, but I wouldn't be surprised if that lets him, lets it, lets teams fall that he has a pretty strong commitment. He's said multiple times how he wants to, he was excited about UCLA and stuff like that. And it's not like he committed to a school, but is very publicly saying he's going to go pro, you know? Um, <clears throat> What are his numbers, which I'm pulling up right now? Last year, he hit. Oh, this is football. Hold on. Sorry. Last year, I, he threw for 3,000 yards and he, 10 he, touchdowns. Yeah, right. He, um, he hit 
as a junior, he hit 357 for the baseball team with a 484 OP uh, on base percentage and a 510 slugging. So the power needs to get there. Needs to get there. It should could rise a little bit. Obviously, that's where the big hole in the game is with everything. He's hit. He hit um only two home runs, seven uh, seven doubles and one triple. So the power is really the part of this, his game where he's lacking. But also he's a, he was a junior in high school and next year he'll be a senior. Like that stuff is just gonna naturally grow as he grows into his body and grows into better weight training programs, whether that's at UCLA or hopefully the Mets. So yeah, I just find him interesting because he has a it's a dual sport background that's legitimate, legitimately enough to get D1 offers at football. He also got he was New Mexico State was interested in him as a quarterback, which is obviously not a great football school, but still it's D1. And baseball, he's a top around top 20 national prospect for high school and a top one. He's the best player in Arizona. So yeah. I feel like you always go with preps. I like preps more than college bats. Mm-hmm. I, I just I would rather take a prep than a college player because I could. There's more. In college, they they might be an arm might be shredded by their coach because they don't care about their pro career, and a college bat might be taught something real stupid to do at the plate, and then you have to unteach them that. Where a high school kid, you could get them in the in the program right away, get them in the 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 major league program right away. While it takes longer for those guys, like Kevin Prado might be up in a year and a half. I would also take Kevin Prado over a, a prep, but he wasn't supposed to be there. You know, <laughs> like, like there's, there's few prep, there's, there's college guys where I love and I would easily take them, but a lot of them I'm like, all right, I got to remake you. And then we got to figure that out. We're a high school kid. You're kind of just getting them in the, in the wagon right away and being like, let's go. We'll figure mm-hmm. out how to maximize you. What you're saying is you do not like Stanford hitters. No, exactly. That's literally it. And like, it's like all the Vanderbilt guys. Like, they're all great college players, and they're never good in the pros because weird shit happens over there. You know? Dansby, Dansby Swanson just got a hundred and seven. Look at his career. Wait, no, I, I don't, it's I don't like, think Dansby Swanson is particularly great either. I very much agree with you. It's it's all that stuff to me. There's a lot of it's four years of learned behavior at college. That's hard to unteach. It's very it's just life. Where in high school they don't know. Yeah. Bunch of dumb kids. So what it's interesting to me is because my um I had the the philosophy the opposite philosophy for a very long time that I wanted the finished product because the Mets are so were so bad at developing players. <laughs> yeah, but we're in a different time zone that's, now. That's why Michael Conforto was like my ideal draft pick because the Mets can't fuck up Michael Conforto. He's basically a pro hitter already. <laughs> um but uh, like you said, that math is changing. So, yeah. And that's a good thing. Like, that's a great thing. I'm so happy oh, yeah. that's changing. Thank God. It makes this podcast significantly more interesting. <laughs> more interesting things to talk about. To maybe the listeners. I mean, I love the uh, literal, literal scraping the bottom of the barrel players. Those oh, we're going to still be doing that, too, I'm sure. Yeah, of course. And um, Thomas, with your pick, in theory, we could then have Rock and Jet on the same team. I'm saying. And, like, could you imagine the vibes? I got to admit, it's pretty great. Enough vibes for, like, Marianne Wilson. Could could you imagine how many times Gary will say he played football in high school? Oh, no. (laughs) The other one. 
the the Notre Dame offer, the actual offer, it was a real football offer, not a fake one, not a not a maybe. Like they offered him a scholarship to play football at Notre Dame. They're gonna have a field day with it. <laughs> so when 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 the Mets inevitably at some point, because all things will happen according to Murphy's <laughs> Law, when the Mets somehow draft and develop a player from Long Island who also played football. I mean, we just reached the singularity of Mets broadcast at that point. Oh my. Like we're combining no, I think the... that's, that's evidence that the world has ended. <laughs> <laughs> we got Kirk and Mats in one go. It's just going to be insufferable. We know, I know nothing about how this guy plays for the Mets, just that he's from Long Island and he played football. He's either incredible or he's like the 26th man. There's no, there's no in between. He's not like an okay, solid player. He's either their best player or he's like, whatever, but everyone loves him anyway. Everyone's going to forget that Kirk Duenheis is the first Met to hit three home runs in a home game because all they'll remember is, Oh yeah, he was a fullback. (laughs) You know, we played football gear and we're like, yes, we know. He He hit that. He he was the one who capped off that comeback in Washington with a home run off Papelbon. And no one will remember that either. The weirdest swing ever that yes. uh, always made me feel like uh, anytime he hit the ball, it was a small miracle. But <laughs> when he did hit the ball, it was, it was pretty good. It went a very long way. <laughs> I really liked. I mean, that was me a too. weird, weird era of Met baseball, certainly. And you had to you had to get attached to weird guys because he was who the fuck else are you going to get attached to? But uh, I really liked Kirk. In my phone still, when I type the first four letters of his name, his name autocorrects. <laughs> Excellent. I was, I was actually going to bring that up. What is more difficult to type, Kirk Neuenheis or Rock Kalowski? Because it's R-O-C-H, so right. that's going to throw people off for sure. Mm. Kalowski also has there's a there's a lot i could come up with a lot of feasible you could throw out a lot of extra c's or s's or an extra l or an i or a y in the back of that last name Mm -hmm, so i think mm -hmm. it's pretty similar levels of difficulty honestly c-h-o-l-o-w-s-k-y i would have never guessed that (laughs) so i feel like i feel like consonant weird consonant names are harder to guess than weird vowel names yeah and kirk has a weird vowel name as opposed to a weird consonant name, but but N- what the N I E U W N I E U W E N E N H U I S. It's that U I S. Like what is that? <laughs> when I first saw that, I was like, huh? That U is gonna mess me up. And then I just I set it in my phone. Like I went to my settings to the keyboard. You have the other N E I U autocorrects the new one. I so it still does. Who was the other reserve outfielder they had at the time? Matt Decker. That's it. That's what I'm uh, thinking of. Who they traded for Jerry Blevins. Jerry Blevins. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 He had a much easier name to spell. But for those two were also linked in my mind forever. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They were the center fielders of the future. Kirk put up – Kirk had a one-win season and only 130 plate appearances in 2014. That's pretty good. Not bad, dude. He had like a nice little reserve career. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then Ten Decker was a good defensive player. He just couldn't hit. No, he couldn't hit at all. How did we get on this topic again? Weird, weird spellings. Weird spellings. In football. That's weird spellings in football in high school. All right. Um, 
Ken, would you like to go or should I go? And then later signed back. Yeah, he what did happened? wind up back with the Mets, yes. Oh. You're correct. Sure, you sure. Um, so my player is uh, Yohandi Morales. He is a third baseman from Miami. What's up? Um, yeah, so my player is Yohandi Morales. I actually he considered him, too. Followed Adrian Del Castillo. Ken, I considered him, too. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, no, he's, he's pretty good. Um, so I, I followed him. I followed Adrian Del Castillo that year, and uh, that was his freshman year. He was one of the top prep um, guys to make it to college. Uh, I think that was 2019, maybe 2020. Uh, I don't know, 2021. Regardless, um, he was a freshman, and I remember thinking this kid looks like the best player on the field. Um, for multiple games, I watched them play against like top programs. Um, just extremely fast bat, even as a, as a freshman. Like uh, he's got a small hitch in his swing, but he gets like similar to like we say about uh, Kevin Parada that all the weird shit it doesn't really matter because he gets into hitting position. Uh, same deal, and just lightning fast bat and a ton of power. He, um, sorry, my Wi-Fi went out for a minute, so he hit 284, 343, 531 as a freshman. Um, with 11 homers, three triples, and 13 doubles uh, in 240 plate appearances or so. Uh, that's an 874 OPS. So as a freshman, he was one of the better hitters on the team. Um, and the, the team had a, a few guys drafted. Uh, he went to the Cape and didn't really hit, but also didn't really play a ton. Um, he only played like 15 games there. Uh, and then came back for his sophomore season in 2022 and hit 329, 411, 650 for a, a 1061 OPS. Uh, the only bugaboo to date about him is he swings and misses a little more than he'd like. But I think that's partly he is a very aggressive hitter because he can cover a lot um, and is looking to do real damage. So I'd imagine maybe he gets a little more selective. Um, when, you know, he's not facing guys who are, like, two levels below him developmentally. Mm. That also gets um, coached out, the aggression a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that also probably get co coached out. Uh, I don't think it's, like, um, a pitch recognition thing. I think he's just trying to do damage and, uh, you know, reach fastballs he shouldn't be reaching for. Um, and so far this year, the, the results are encouraging. He's struck out only 16 times in... About 60 plate appearances, and uh, he's walked seven times. So, that's nice. Not as bad. It's it's like more of a two to one strikeout to walk ratio than like a three to one um, that he's he's run in the past. Uh, and to date, he is hitting. One second, I have this on a note because their website did not update in time. Uh, through 15 games, he's hitting 404, 463, 719. Uh, he's hit five home runs so far, three doubles, uh, 20 RBIs, and uh, the aforementioned 16 Ks against seven walks in about 70 play appearances or so. Did um, you say his slugging percentage is in the 700s? <laughs> yeah, 719. Okay. He hits the ball a very, very long way. Um. Like, I, I watched one of the games, and he hit one clear over the scoreboard 
uh, and the, the camera couldn't even track it. Like he probably hit it like 450 or 460 feet. Uh, it's big league power. Um, I think the hit duel is, you know, average-ish um, and, and, you know, could play up if he's able to, to be a little more selective. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just a real good player. Uh, I think he's the kind of guy who is either going to go before the Mets can pick or is going to fall to like the fifth round. Um, yeah, there's no in between. Yeah. Yeah. He's either going to hit his way into like top 10 consideration or, you know, top half of the first round consideration or things have gone horribly wrong and, <laughs> uh, Somebody might get a steal later on. I mean, you need and the one hold up with this profile is you need to hit a lot with this yep. profile. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I think you will. Mm-hmm. I also it's, think that's just a, I, I think it's a good swing. Yeah. Where the Mets are picking, like, I would rather take it. Taking a swing like that's not a bad thing, I don't think, because that's where you get the upside, you know, the risky ish upside. Um, he was originally a shortstop. Uh, he has since grown off of shortstop and plays third. He was not necessarily a great defender, but he's got plenty of arm speed for it. Um, I don't see a problem with him sticking there. So, yeah, I don't know. He's around at 30, I think, uh, unless things, again, unless things have gone horribly, horribly wrong, uh, I think he'd be a good guy to pick. Yeah, he's a guy that I did notice on a couple of draft boards has been in like the some people are very high on him and they have have him like 15 to 25 or whatever. And then other places have him much lower. So it comes down to if you think his swing and miss issues yeah. are uh, approach related or, um, you know, if he's core ability, I guess. Mm hmm. Well, you can't teach power, and he's got that, so. <laughs> when you slug 700, you're doing something good. Yep. All right, uh, the last guy now is the guy that I chose, Cole Carrig, and he's from Turlock, California, which is just outside Modesto. And his father was not a pro, but he did play in college at San Jose State University, and then he played in indie ball for a couple of years in the early to mid 90s with the Ogden Raptors and the Salinas Peppers. And Cole, uh, you know, went to Turlock High School for your varsity letter winner. And then he went to play at San Diego State University. And in his freshman year, he appeared in 37 of the Aztecs 46 games. Um, he started 32. He basically hit his way into a starting role and he hit 270, 406, 441. With two two homers, three steals, and 21 walks to 20 strikeouts, he went to the Alaska Summer League that summer, which is fun to see because you don't see that one too often. No, you do. I've never the heard Alaska of the Alaska Summer, Summer League? League. Yeah, yeah. Tom Seaver played there too. So. Really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just little tidbit of of information there, but yeah, he played in the Alaska Summer League. And then he went back to San Diego, and he had a really, really good sophomore year. He played in 54 games, and he hit 388, 426, 509, with three homers, 19 stolen bases, and 27 attempts, and 12 walks to 28 strikeouts. 
He led the team batting average, hits, doubles, stolen bases, and he was also among the league leaders in the Mountain West Conference in batting average, hits, and stolen bases. Not to interrupt you, Steve, but mm-hmm. Kirk Neuenheis also played in the Alaskan Summer League. No <laughs> yeah. way. Come on, he, man. He he played for the – I'm going to butcher this. He played for the Chuganak Eagle River Chinooks. Chinooks. Hell yeah. They used to be the AIA Fire. I don't know if he they, he played there when they were that. I'm I'm looking I'm looking all these teams up right now. Well, yeah. Um, so did Barry Bonds? Okay. You know what? Uh-huh. I mean, I would have to look into it a little bit more. Naturally, but it makes sense. I mean, Kirk Neuenheis a... played there, so that's true. Of course, Barry Bonds. <laughs> Kirk. Randy Johnson Bonds. did too. I'm so it, confused. It's all I people mean, who get mentioned in the same sentence all the time. No, it's, Randy it's, Johnson, Barry Bonds, Kirk Neuenheis. I mean, these are all West Coast guys. That kind of makes sense that it's Aaron a West Judge, Coast. Yeah. <clears throat> Aaron Judge West. did. Is this, Again, is it's generally this, a contemporary of Kirk Neuenheim's. <laughs> is, is this like the equivalent of the Cape Cod League on the West Coast? They just all yeah, go I out mean, to fucking Alaska it, instead? It, it sounds like it might be. I would have to do more research on that. I mean... They, they have a midnight sun game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it starts at 10:30 at night and it ends 1:30 the next morning, but it's sunny because it's Alaska. Incredible. This is incredible. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. I, I, I don't know if they play with the metal bat or not, but imagine like a uh, the vibration of that in the freaking Alaska oh, weather. Oh no. Oh nah. <laughs> no 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 no. Yeah. Imagine yeah. getting hit by a pitch in like your thigh in the cold. Yeah. You don't feel it. You don't feel it. It's like you're in You a hundred percent feel it. It stings. It stings more. It'll just stay there. It's like someone five starred you out of the shower. Getting play, getting lacrosse shots in the in the stomach or in the thigh what, during the early season when it was cold just hurts so much. <sighs> well, Kulkareg is basically a uniter and he is trying to bring everyone together because he played in the Alaska Summer League that one season, and then he played in the Cape Cod the next. So he's unifying America here. And he was an all-star in the Cape Cod League. Uh, he hit 329, 388, 399 with a homer, 15 stolen bases, and 11 walks at 29 strikeouts. And so far through this season, he's played in 12 games, and he's hitting 340, 364, 540. With one homer, four stolen bases, and two walks to six strikeouts. Um, So, Craig is a switch hitter. I wasn't able to verify this statistically because it's really hard to get some college stats. But supposedly, it's a a wood bat league, by the way. I'm on their website. Is it? Okay, okay. Um, So, he's a little bit better from his right side than his left side, but none of the reports say that there's like drastic splits or anything like that. Um, scouts project him to be a, an above average hitter thanks to very very good bat on ball skills and a solid eye he doesn't walk too too much he has about a career nine percent walk rate which is solid but you know nothing really to nothing really write home about but he doesn't strike out much either he has a 13.5 strikeout rate for his college career um in addition to being a good hitter he has above average speed in 103 games over the course of his career at San Diego, plus those two collegiate summer leagues, he has 26 stolen bases in 35 attempts. 
So that's a 75% success rate, which is basically, you know, right at the point where stolen bases are like a viable offensive um, weapon. Biggest knock on his bat really is he doesn't have too much present in-game power. Uh, He has six total home runs in 103 games in college and in the summer leagues. I think he'll grow into a little bit more power. He's 6'3", 190, so you could definitely envision, you know, 20 more pounds or so minimum. Um, I, I'd expect him to reach double-digit home run numbers, but I don't think he's ever going to be, like, a big-time slugger. Um, but that's not really his profile. He's a guy that makes contact. He puts the ball in play. He sprays it around. Doubles, singles, triples, all that. And defensively, he is... I don't even know if saying versatile is like the right way to put it. Basically, over the course of his three years at San Diego State, he's literally played everywhere except for first base, which ironically is like the easiest (laughs) place to play. That's always everywhere except catcher, but I know he's a catcher. Yeah, he has 25 games at second base, 28 games at third base, 33 games at shortstop, 56 games in center, 12 in right, 5 in left, 10 behind the dish, and 5.1 innings as a pitcher. So this is like my platonic ideal bench guy. Like <laughs> he's like Ben Zobris, but even better. But could catch. And there's yeah. like, oh, it, it, it would be so cool to me that a guy plays like 150 games and he plays <laughs> literally, literally everything. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing that's interesting is that, and basically all the scouts unanimously agree. He doesn't just like go through the motions. He's of, not bad at them. Yeah. Yeah. He's not bad at, at any of those things. Theoretically, he could be, an average a better defender in the outfield. You know, he has the range, he has instincts, he has the, an above average arm. He could be average a better in, in the infield. He has range, good reactions, again, the arm. Um, you know, catcher defense is is a, a work in progress in understanding it, you know, but word is that he moves well behind the plate. And obviously, you know, because he has familiarity as a pitcher, you know, and he's familiar with basically every position. He's he works well, you know, with pitchers, and he's he's a leader on the field and stuff like that. So it's it's an interesting profile, and I like that he is very much contact and speed oriented, which I think is going to be more of a bigger deal in baseball in the future with some of the new rules that are being implemented and stuff, and just the way that the game is kind of evolving. Mm-hmm. And also, like, that type of guy, you don't have to fit him into a box to get him on your team. Like, I was I was saying I was my apply, platonic ideal for a bench player, and that's obviously you want more than that. But, like, Ben Zobrist was a utility player but a starter, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you, could, you could be creative with a guy like this. Dalton Varsho is kind of a good example, even though he's not much of a catcher anyway. He's kind of just an outfielder at this point. But... Mm-hmm. You know, like that type of profile kind of times 100 because you're moving him more. Right. You you, you have a log jam at third base like the Mets is, all right, just play second. Oh, you you can't play second? I just go in left field. Oh, left and field, that makes, go catch, you know. And that makes your bench kind of easier to to be specialized. Mm-hmm. Like you could you could have him on your team and not have to carry a backup second baseman because he's the back you know what i mean you don't have to carry a backup this because he's that and you can kind of carry a hit a hit tool first guy you know you can kind of get more creative with a guy like this if he pans out yep i'm hoping i wonder how you develop him though 
in the minors. Like, do you make him stick at one position? Yeah, I right, think what? that's the challenging yeah. thing with this profile. Are you like, going to play him at a different position every day? Because it had that's really tough. I mean, I I don't I I feel like you could with minimal movement. You know, like okay, you're going to be playing any of the three outfield positions. Mm-hmm. You know, like this, you're not really. It, it's not radical changes. You know, or maybe third base a couple of days and shortstop a couple of days, or you know, mix in second base as well. He probably drops catcher, which is unfortunate. Because, yeah, I don't. I don't. Because like, what are you gonna catch him once a week? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's so weird. It's a great but third I mean, catcher. Like, he'll I always mean, be able to be your emergency. Be your emergency catcher. catcher. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say, look at Andy Rodriguez. He plays bulk of catching, but then he also does a lot of outfield work too. And hopefully they could do that with Parada too, get him into the outfield a little bit if they mm. want to speed up his process. <clears throat> so yeah, those are our four players. Can we can we do like a quick comment on the absurdity that is Dylan Cruz and Joe Caglianones early in the season? Like obviously players the Mets have no chance of selecting, but mm-hmm. just for the hilarity of it, real quick. Go right ahead. Dylan Cruz. Through 15 games and 67 plate appearances, is hitting 500, 627, 860. 500 is crazy. <laughs> what the hell? Wait, but he's probably not actually the best player in college baseball. That's a dude who's not going to be draft eligible till next year or the year after. Jack Caglianoni, through 18 games, batting. 30 for 72, that's 416, with a 481 OBP and a 1,069 slugging and 13 homers. And through 21 innings, has a 1.77 ERA, 26 strikeouts, and eight walks. Not bad. You know who Dylan Cruz reminds me of, like swinging? Uh, Who's that? Right-handed Juan Soto. Yeah, I see The way he sets up and swings... Uh-huh. It's like that type of load and power. He looks like Soto, and it's so weird to say that, but obviously that's projecting him to be amazing. But like the visual of it, I look at it because I'm looking at him now. I'm, I'm looking at him swing now. I'm like, that kind of looks like Soto. <laughs> when Juan Soto was the same age Dylan Cruz was, he hit 282, 401, 548. That's a 143 weighted runs created plus in, in the majors. And <laughs> in, in, in where? Where was that? In, in the, the major majors. leagues? <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. I think Juan Soto's good, guys. So good. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. Was he? Not any. I was wrong. He hit 351, 490, <laughs> 695 for a 202 weighted. Now, this was in 2020, but. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of fun stuff happening in college baseball this year. It's, it's yeah. worth watching. Yep. Now, I, when I was looking over one last tangent before we end things, and I was look when I was looking to see like hmm, who's around, who what players are projected to go where early on. How would you feel if the Mets selected Tanner Witt? Hmm. For anyone that doesn't know, he's basically uh, was courted by a bunch of teams in 2020. Um, he's kind of like an, a Matt Allen situation where. A lot of talent. Teams are offering him uh, a lot of money, but not enough money to basically buy him out of his uh, commitment to University of Texas because 
2020 draft is kind of weird and they couldn't do the Matt Allen thing. Um, he was very strong in his freshman season. And then he had uh, Tommy John. I... Yeah. <laughs> We're I back to... I mean, back to, to Thomas's and Ken's point about when you want a prep versus when you want a college guy. The Mets have certainly improved, and I can buy the argument that it's better that now it makes more sense for them to consider prep guys than it used to because they sucked at development. I still don't think we've seen any evidence that their Tommy John rehab capacity mm-hmm. is improved. And until I see that, mm. I'm hesitant to do this at the top of the draft. It depends on it depends on how much you could cut and save and then reinvest yeah. in the draft. I would say they, also that's a lot of so many of those later round pick, not later round picks, but middle round. Like if you could use that to get guys who are tough signs in the middle rounds and say, hey, we're going to cut here. But I don't know how much he's going to want to cut. And mm-hmm. it's there's a lot of context to that that we also won't have access to. Yeah. But I'm kind of scarred from the Matthew Allen situation <laughs> because they got they got Beatty from that draft. And that's not a bad thing, but that's it. Yeah. Literally it. One player. And that's not good. That's how you get into the situation where we're throwing our hands up in December where we're like, after 12, man, I don't care. I don't want to rate it, rank any of these guys, you know? <laughs> I only I was I just he only came up because. Looking at some of the past drafts, basically around right here is where similar guys, the guys who have yeah. Tommy John, Dax Fulton got selected by the Marlins 40th overall. Uh, I mean, the Mets did it with Anthony Kay. Right. Well, that's going back a little bit, but yep. Uh, JT Ginn, a couple of years ago, was 52. Uh, 2021, Gunnar Hogland was ni- uh, um, yeah, 19. And uh, Jaden Hill from LSU was 44 with the, Blue, with the, with the Rockies. Last year, Landon Sims was 34 with the Diamondbacks. Connor Prelip was 48 with the Twins. You know. Can I point something out here, though? I don't. I don't think this is a. This is not a particularly compelling list of names. Like the track record. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. (laughs) The track record of these injured. I mean, and I railed against the the Anthony K thing for a while. And, you know, I mean, very kind of infamous, uh, infamous in our podcast histories, you know, got got that whole thing going. But yeah, again, not not a friend of the pod. No, not, <laughs> not a friend of the pod. I don't know him. Per- do not know him personally. Don't know. He anyway. Um, I don't think the track record of taking these injured college pitchers at the top of the draft indicates that they've that it's worked out. Right. And I, these names are, for the most part middling fourth maybe third starters right and if the logic is that and and, and look if there's a cap manipulation angle to this i'm not i don't know the signing bonuses of all these guys off the top of my head but you have to think there are better players available or that better guys to take swings on if you're going to take an injured pitcher it's got to be a special dude like i'll take dylan lesko Mm -hmm. if he's hurt i'll take the way the mets got tidwell is yeah fine. yeah exactly so if you, if you but that you're doing in the second or third round that's yeah. different to yeah, me exactly. as opposed to doing exactly. this with your first pick again okay, like they got Justin, 
Rada and they're fine. Yeah, just to go with like like look, if they went with uh Wit and Ledbetter was there, given current stand standing, who knows what happens in the next couple months, I'd be pretty annoyed. Like I think mm-hmm. that's a mistake. So I don't know. I'm I'm bearish on that strategy generally. Yeah, no, just food for thought because, like I said, I was looking. I was like, oh, wait a minute, Tanner Wit, and he's, you know, all right. So yeah, that was that was fun. This the, the way too early draft special is always fun. We don't have to do two guys this year. Alternative no. alternative phrasing: We don't get to do two guys this year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> What free agents do the Mets have that may leave that they'll get some more picks next year? That that'll that'll be have something. I don't know. They're, not, they they're not really there yet. For that. They're not really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scherzer well, that, has an opt out, but he's yeah, been but QO'd I, already, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I'm sure. And the way he made it sound, it kind of wants to stay. <laughs> the way he said it in spring, mm-hmm. he talked in spring. He was like. He had to opt out because uh, to protect himself if the Mets were kind of fraudulent with what they were promising, and he was he said they were very clearly not. No, they are running the a three hundred and thirty million dollar payroll. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> the new Mets are not fraudulent any longer. Yes, at least not on the baseball side of things. I say well, that make no true. promises about Steve Cohen's financial dealings. He is quite fraudulent. Look, we don't have to look. Whatever, money's fake. I wonder <laughs> if he lost any money with the uh, Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah, well. Who knows? Oh, shit. He might become the next. He might become the Wilbon. Did we just get braid off again? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, uh, imagine that would be something. Well, let's not think of that. <sighs> All right. If anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You could follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken Levin ninety one, and Thomas is at Sad Met Season S Z N. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Rate and review, <clears throat> and of course, we thank everyone for listening. And we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets, love the Mets.